Awesome. Hello. Welcome to another episode of HR Nightmares. Um, I'm Lisa Leith, and I am here with Amy Conway and Beth Looney from the Leith HR Group team. And we have a super special guest with us today, Tammy Benson, who's somebody that I met several years ago. Um, she is a female powerhouse in the Wilmington, North Carolina area, running a traded sector type business that's headquartered um, where Leith HR Group also does most of our work in southeastern North Carolina. But they do work Probably globally, right? Definitely globally. Definitely globally. So we're going to let you kind of explain um, your evolving role in, in the company that you've um, been working at and that has really been a family business for many, many years. But she's grown up with the company and taken on increasingly responsible roles and is now the chief operating officer for Ad Advanced Marketing International. I think sometimes you say AdMark, right? Is Correct. Like short. Um, and we'll tell you where you can look up this business and find out more about what they do as a company. But today's topic is going to be all about owning your own career. And I think this is a great panel of ladies to have a discussion about this because not only have we each owned our own career, but we're now like counseling other employees and managers on how to advance their own careers. And so we are people developers as well. So we, I'd love to come at this conversation from both aspects, um, owning our own careers and how do we get where we are today? And then also like, how do we, what do we do to coach people and people develop folks on our own team? So I'm going to turn it over to Tammy and let you just kind of run us through, like, how did you get to the chief operating officer position at AdMark? Well, as you mentioned, we are a family business. We've been in business for 34 years in 2023, which is right. a very big milestone. I did grow up around this business. We represent suppliers and manufacturers internationally and wholesale distribute or help move those products. So one of our niches is finding a certain product for a manufacturer. Maybe they're having a trouble trouble finding that material and we connect those parties and help it during that transaction. And really we create relationships for years on a global level. So we do import and export lots of materials primarily that go into paints, coatings, mm. inks, those types of things. Grew up around the business as you have mentioned. Um, came to actually work in the business about 12 years ago, moved back to Wilmington, started at the bottom, worked my way up through logistics. Uh, my background was real estate previous to that, so lots of uh, transaction kind of based experience, and brought that into my role, moved in through logistics. I've handled the finances, general manager, and just kind of worked my way up to COO where I am now. Awesome. I mean, that's a crazy business. I have a lot of questions just about the business too. Yeah. And having worked in all the different roles makes you the prime candidate, family or not, for being in a senior leadership role. You really kind of have to understand all of the aspects. Almost like they, it's almost like you put yourself through a rotational program in the business. But it sounds like a very complicated business. What's the most complicated aspect of your role? Oh, of my role, the most complicated of my role would be the people. Mm. I <laughs> which which I love. People are easy. I love that that part of the business. I love our team. Um, but we work with people on a daily basis, be it customers, be it suppliers, mm -hmm. be it our team and their growth. Um, that's probably the hardest facet. I've got a great sales team, great logistics team. We've developed a really great accounting team now. Um, that I'm going to have to go with people is going to be the hardest role. Mm -hmm. go that ahead. keeps us in business. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we like to hear that. 
So when you're looking at people, I mean, it seems like you've got so much institutional knowledge. Are you part of the training and onboarding, even in your role? I am. I'm doing the hiring, too. So the interviewing, the hiring, depending on the department, there may be someone else who sits in when we get past the second interview. So I'll do a phone interview, um, then an in-person interview. And then if we make it to step three, then maybe my salesperson will be sitting there with us or another logistics person or accounting. Um, it's, it works for us. We're all kind of very involved in that process. We are a smaller company. There's 12 of us. Um, so being a good fit into our team is extremely important and finding out what someone can bring to the table from a skill level. That's really going to complement what we already have in place and help kind of fill the gaps. I think that's such a great story of just the amount of roles you took on in the company before you moved into the higher level leadership positions. And I think that is so important for executive teams and C-suite to have these different breadths of experiences so they truly understand all parts of the business and have some empathy for all of those different parts of the business. Can you speak a little bit to why like that's been valuable for the current role that you're in to have some of those experiences? you don't understand what your team is working on and going through, how can you lead them through that? So that's a big thing for me. Um, And I'm a leader who likes to lead by example. So if you have a problem and I haven't encountered it and you're at my door, I'm going to try and help you work through that and let's find a great solution. But you know how to handle those issues Mm -hmm. because maybe you've been there in something similar. It's, um, It's helped have an overall knowledge of the entire business and then to be able to help our team work through all of that. And if you're a leader who can't help, I don't, it's hard for me to feel like you're leading. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. I think staying at a company for as long as you have in all those variety of roles, it seems like a lot of people make the decision to leave and take their experience, knowledge, and take it to the next group. So obviously you've stayed. What were, what were some of the things that like were interesting and intriguing and wanted you to stay with them? Well, I'm family. So <laughs> well, there you it go. is a family. Yeah, but that's sometimes it's a harder, especially it, with a growing business. Like they're like, hey, respect your family, but we need to go hire this woman from outside who's got all this experience and mm-hmm. exits and like so that can be harder. It there's definitely um a different seat at the table, if you will, when you, when it's a family business, I feel like. I've been pretty adamant that the company has to be handled as its own entity. What is best for the company in the long run will be best for the family. Yes, I've been approached. I've, I could have left. Um, but I'm continuing a family legacy that I really want to see continue. I have three daughters. We have um, people on our team who've been with us for 15 plus years. They are family as well, and I want to see those families continue this legacy as well. So it's not easy. Family business is probably one of the most difficult types of business to be in and grow and keep that generation two, generation three. The goal is to make it, you know, a generation four business. Hmm. Um, We'll get we'll get there. I'm pretty confident. But it's definitely a a different uh, seat at the table when it's a family business and you're a family member. So tell me how you balance that. So like, how do you balance the family and work life when you leave that office and the work when you're, when it's all the same, when it's all the family members? 
It can be difficult. Yeah. I think through the years, through the past 12 years, we've become really good at trying to say, okay, this is family time. So holidays, we're not going to talk about work. We're going to mm-hmm. try really hard not to talk yeah, about work yeah. because there are other members of the family at the table that aren't involved in the business. Mm-hmm. Um, that becomes kind of a hard tightrope to walk. But I think for the past probably six years, we've really kind of clung to that. You have to keep it separate. There are going to be disagreements, just like in any business. You may disagree with the superior or your direct reports. Or there's a way to handle all of that. It's, it is just a delicate balance. And you kind of have to get everybody on board. The goal is to continue the legacy. Let's keep it going. And this is the method of how we're going to do that. Mm-hmm. I got to tell you, it is yeah. hard, though, because, like, you've owned a business with your ex-husband. We work with <laughs> is a that lot. Like ex-husband yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I still own Leith HR Group and advise on how the business is run, but my husband is the president, and he's running it. And it's really hard to not talk about Leith HR Group when I get home from Vanica because I want to know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Like, it's my baby. and um, But there are days where... Like, I'll get too much information about the business. And I'm like, I just want to be your wife. I just want to be a mom. I want to talk about fun stuff or vacation. And like, and I'm sure I do it to him back. But being in business with family is hard. Um, It seems like it'd be easy because you all have the same like interests, right? But it is very hard. One thing I felt when I was in that same situation was we didn't turn it off. So I'm glad to no. know that you do that. It's hard to turn it I off. I mean, because it would be you you know, Saturday, Sunday, after dinner, in the morning before work. Yep. And it was like we talked about it all the time. Mm-hmm. And it was just too much talking about it. Because you don't talk about that. Like, we wouldn't talk about the business with you yeah. every minute of every day. Yeah. Right? There's a time that you turn that off. Yeah. And so good for you guys. It's family time. I think time. it's great. And I yeah. asked the question because we do work with, I mean, there's a lot of smaller businesses mm-hmm. in Wilmington and a lot of our clients are family or mm-hmm. generational type businesses. Yep. And it's something they they currently are dealing with. I would say for me, the family is, my brother's involved in part of our business. My father is our president. So that's a little bit easier to turn off than if it was, say, my husband. My husband and I do own a business together. (laughs) It's in IT, but it's he runs that business, and I'm just there as a sounding board when he needs me. And I have no technical expertise, so I'm really not much help in in that. In that, other than I'm here if you need me, what can I do? Yeah. Um. But from a parent level, sibling level, we're not together every single night at home, so that does make it right. So it does make it a little bit easier. Yeah. But holidays and weekends, you got to be careful. I've got a question. That's interesting, the way that it's it's laid out. So it's your father that mm-hmm. is at the head seat. So have you, do you feel free, and this might be too much personal family stuff, but do you feel free to kind of give an opinion of maybe of this generation and maybe the things that you know more? Or do, are you kind of like, this is his vision and we're going to kind of follow his vision? Because that's a hard, that would be really difficult. That's a great question. Um, it. I'm pretty assertive person. He may not agree with me, but I'm going to voice my opinion. And if there's a way I think we should be looking at taking and growing this business, I'm going to come and I'm going to advocate for that. And he may not agree with me, but he'll give me the feedback as to why that's not a good idea. He has been in this industry. He's a chemist by trade for 50 plus years. I'm not a chemist. That's not my my thing, you know, it's not where my expertise is coming from. 
So there's definitely something that he brings to the table that I don't have. And there's a compliment there that works really well for us. And he listens. He does listen and he understands. He wants to leave this legacy behind. Mm-hmm. And that's the that, I think that's probably the key. Yeah. I worked with, well, we all worked with this one company in town that's a four-generation company. And it was really interesting to kind of see the the current leadership team is, you know, the fourth generation. Mm-hmm. And while they kind of, I, I, I'm speaking for them, but it seems like they really respect the history but they're also realizing that, hey, business is different than it was back then. And mm-hmm. we need to kind of move forward knowing what we know, but also respecting the past. It's a, it's a good That's, balance. It's, it's a, a good balance. It is a good balance. Because and, it could be a bit of an HR nightmare, right? <laughs> like, okay, like the, the president's signing my paycheck. Like, ultimately, you know, hopefully my dad's not ever going to get rid of me. But like if I buck up to him or like say that's absolutely wrong and we need to do X, Y, Z to keep all these global contracts, like that could be an HR nightmare. It could be. Yeah, I think where it comes in sometimes where we hear it is the employees that aren't family members that work for the business and do they feel like the same kind of open door philosophy if they're having trouble with one member, right, that's part of that family business. Do you ever experience any of that with your team members where they may have concerns about leadership or relationship with someone on the family, you know, that's part of the family, but the person to go report it to is also part of the family? <laughs> we have that problem a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's where I see it come up. Yeah. So I think with our team, um, I have an open door policy. And I think the folks that have been there through the period that I've been there the past 12 years understand that my my vision for the future of this company and continuing this legacy is that they're all there and they're part of that with us. We mm-hmm. could not do what we do without our team. And they are every bit as important as every family member on yeah. that team. So I want to make sure that my team members feel like they're as respected and that they're listened to as if they were family. We're smaller. I know their families. I know their children if yeah. they have them. They know they can come to me with anything. Mm-hmm. They know I'm going to be pretty direct if there's an issue. But if they have an issue with someone on the team, I want to address it. We don't want to create a toxic environment. Yeah. It's the last thing we want. It's not good for the people on the team, and it's not good for the company. Yeah, that's great. It sounds like you have a lot of good practices around that. They must be doing a lot of things right to have employees that aren't part of the family sticking around for 15 years. Like that is awesome. I I, I don't even know. It'd be be interesting to look at like what are the statistics of um, businesses that make it to, you know, third generation family run. I mean, it can't be very many. Well, I Nordstrom was the fourth is being run by the fourth generation. Oh, wow. Yeah, I worked for Nordstrom for decades. Um, and it is being run, yeah, by the fourth generation. Uh, it was three brothers, one passed, so the two are still running it. And then there's a couple cousins that are on the executive team as well. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I think so. Really- that what you're doing is is great, and we didn't we didn't make it, but it does. It's like we <laughs> just could not do it. But I'm telling you what, I think that the idea. I think that that was our goal when we started our company was like, oh gosh, our kids are going to take this over, and it's going to be this phenomenal opportunity for them, and gosh, we can sit back in our older years and just look at this great thing that we started. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of allure for that, but oh well. <laughs> it's hard to get there. It definitely is. And I think it's you don't see a lot of companies that make it past generation three. 
So I'm generation two. I have three children, three daughters. I hope this makes it to generation three for other folks on our team that have kids. I'd love to see their children be involved. I have nieces and nephews I'd love to see Mm -hmm. in the future. Even if they never sit and actually work in an office and do anything for us, there is some legacy and some family connection that they could benefit from down the road. And that's kind of the vision. Let's make sure it's still here, but we've got to get to G, what I call yeah. G three. So my goal is to get us to G three, and then you know, set for G four. We got to keep it like cool enough for the yeah, new like, generation well, to like want to be involved. We got to create some flexible work schedules and lots G4. of unlimited PTO Sounds like policies. A nice right? <laughs> Do you know, yeah. like this is pushing, putting you on the spot. You might not know the answer, but why you said something interesting? Why why is there a break at at G four? Do you know I, that? No, I don't know. I we don't know those kids yet. They're not alive yeah, yet. Yeah, no, they're not alive yet. But well, I, I mean, no, if, if it's if like typically generation oh, four doesn't happen. I think generation three doesn't typically happen. Yeah, From yeah. the little bit of reading that I've done mm-hmm. on the topic, it is not common to find a third generation family business. And then so I think statistically you would think like, well, there has to be enough family members that it's like you think about it. Yeah. You got you got, you know, a couple of kids. It's like you're hoping that they're as passionate about whatever it was grandpa was doing. I imagine I don't know the statistics. My grandfather was it. a plant pathologist. But that like, is not what I'm, I'm up not to. trying to do what he, any of my grandparents <laughs> no. did for work. You know, so I imagine it's just more of like, is there an active engagement and interest in the business that carries on? through those generations as just like times change, priorities change, interests change and shift throughout the generations. I would imagine that's something to do that. Just like, well, the business may still exist, right? Beyond the generation. It may just not be run any longer by yeah. family. Right. 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 So, How old yeah. are your girls? I'm 26, 20 and 16. Okay. All right. So the 26 year olds in the working world, is she considering she is? No, she coming is back? Not, right? No. Okay. She's not <laughs> She's probably out. She's in uh, she's in the academic world. I, gotcha. I don't I don't really yeah. see her come. But, you know, things change. And yeah, many of us have more than one career in our lifetime. Mm-hmm. So yeah. her season could come. Absolutely. So when you moved back to Wilmington, you had a real estate career in South Carolina, in Florida, in Florida. And then you decided to move back and you kind of like you said, you started from the bottom and you've moved your way up to COO. When you came back, was there kind of a commitment or a two-way promise between you and the family that, like, this was the goal, this was the succession plan? It was just, no. Okay. Not at all. Yeah. Not at all. Was so, it your goal? Yeah. That's an interesting question. Um, I wouldn't say it was my goal. I was in a season of raising children. My oldest mm. was in high school when we moved, and my youngest was in pre-K. Mm-hmm. So this— wasn't necessarily in my realm, okay, I'm going to be CEO or COO one day. Um, as we progressed and I kind of progressed through the process and I'm in the daily business, okay, well, I'd like to see this continue for the family. I'd like to continue this legacy. When they started the business years ago, my mother worked in the company as well. So there's an attachment there. And as I mentioned, yeah. I grew up around it. Probably, I don't know, three and a half, maybe four years in, I did think, okay, I'm here. We're going to keep plugging away at this. And I set some goals I had for myself. Where can I be? What can I do? What can I bring in addition to the, you know, to this business that I've already brought? Um, We developed some new processes, some new SOPs. It's all worked out well. But I set those goals for myself. I did not walk in 
thinking that would ever happen. Um, but I worked towards that in the end. Absolutely. One of the things that I found challenging, like I've worked in really big companies and then worked in smaller companies as a consultant. And now I'm sort of in this mid-sized company and we're still in my mind, small at 140 employees, Vanica. Okay. Um, and so there are plenty of opportunities as the business evolves and, and, but like, there's not endless opportunities. It's only 140 seats, mm -hmm. you know, at the table versus like a Corning where, you know, there's 50,000 seats around. It's like yeah, similar. To Norsham, right? yeah. So how do you, with, with a small team, how do you get people, because one of the top reasons that people stick around is, of course, they like working for their manager, they like their colleagues they work with, their work is satisfying, but also, like, there's an opportunity for advancement. So how do you avoid the HR nightmare of people feeling stagnant or unable to kind of flex different professional muscles at such a, on such a small team? How do you deal with that? I think probably in the last six to eight years, we've taken the mindset that you want to kind of propel your team, right? There needs to be some introspective. What are your goals? What would you like to do? Where do you see yourself? We are a family business and we like to treat our employees. They're just as important. We understand there will be a ladder that people want to climb. You don't always get the same type of treatment in a large corporation that you might get in a smaller, more intimate kind of experience in a small family business. There may be less opportunity, but I'm not getting any younger. So I'm not going to be you there. You're pretty young. Well, thanks. I'm not. I'll be 50 <laughs> I was this year. I was surprised you're a 26-year-old. So, yeah. No, I, you know. None of us are genes, getting any younger. Genes, so. But I think um, you have to see your folks. I want to see them grow. I have someone on my team right now who's taken on a leadership role in the last 18 months. She's growing. I want to elevate her. Um, I have someone else who's worked for us for a really long time. He plays an integral role in this company. He's being elevated. We want to see that growth with them. And I want to help as much as I can. Our president would like to help as much as he can because that continues the legacy. What about like, especially in a business like yours, that's a lot of legit, it's supply chain, right? Yes. There's, it's supply chain. Yes. And so technology is playing an increasing role in supply chain. Are there new roles that you're adding to the company or that you kind of see in the next five years of running this company um, that don't exist today that you'll have to maybe kind of anticipate? And it, that allows for growth for folks Absolutely. on the team as well. Absolutely. I have a um, employee in our accounting department who her education has some SAP background. A lot of our customers are moving to these huge SAP programs. Yeah. yeah. For a team that's as small as us, trying to get onboarded into some of those takes so much time. Eventually, there will be a full-time role probably for someone just to handle the SAP side that our customers are requiring us to kind of log into and, mm -hmm. and handle the business flow with them. Technology will definitely play a role. We are a little bit behind the time. So we're a paper company. We have to keep files. We have to keep bill of ladings for so long, all this type of stuff. Eventually that'll all be digital, but we're not there yet. There will be a role at some point for someone who that's what they do. Mm -hmm. That'll be an entry level role, making all of that digital as it comes in and as it flows. And there'll be room for growth. Hmm. Mm -hmm. working on workflows and things mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's big, you know, is we work with grow a lot of growing organizations. 
I work with a lot of companies where I'm like, okay, we need to have these sessions where every six months, 12 months we sit, we look at the org chart and we do some aspirational sessions. So not just what we have now, what do we think it's going to take in 12 months, right? So if, if this is the volume we want to do in the next five years, where are the new roles and the people that are going to have to get added in order to support that business? So it's the same thing. And when you're thinking about career pathing and growth for people, it's really helping people understand, well, even though that role doesn't exist today, if it did, what would be the skills that you would need to have that role? And let's start building those competencies because we don't know in 12 months what roles well, we're going to have. Well, and you don't right. probably know, too, your customer base. Hopefully, you're going to grow into different sectors and get, you know, different ge geographic areas for your new customers, mm -hmm. you know. So then in addition mm -hmm. to new jobs, then you're going to have, obviously, just more more needs as your business expands yeah i mean i love it doesn't matter how big the company is you should always be talking about like what are the roles that we're going to need in the next 18 24 yeah. months that don't exist right now who are we going to fill them with and if there's nobody that here that's like a viable candidate we've got like a good path to get them ready now versus ready later then mm -hmm. you got to go external and what does that all look like? Does it take, are there six people in the entire United States that do that job? Okay, we should probably start looking now because we're going to need them in 2025. So, mm -hmm. and courting them. Right? So, you know, it's something, it's an exercise that we go through with yeah. literally every, every company, company that we work mm -hmm. with. It should be part of your strategic planning. Really yeah. should be. Yeah. Your the talent people. pipeline. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the truth, right? Do you want to teach that webinar I have I know. Yeah. It's like, I've used that wording a lot. But it's the truth, right? Mm -hmm. It is the truth. You definitely have to be looking, on, looking out for that, that kind of thing. You want And you want to elevate the team that have been with you. You want to know there is room for growth. Even though we are a family business and we're on the smaller side, there's going to be roles in the future that yeah. you could absolutely walk into. You might be able to create your own role. Yeah. And that's fun. Right. It's Absolutely. like, how do you show up differently to kind of build the case around why you should be in a different role or you deserve that elevated title? That's the nice part probably about smaller companies and smaller businesses is there is a lot more flexibility and agility to kind of create these like special snowflake type jobs. So like, even though the role doesn't exist, like, is that person really good? And now they've outgrown their skills and they're taking on more responsibility. We can give them a new title. We can give them a 10% pay mm -hmm. increase, right? Whereas... My corporation's like, you have to wait till the job opens up and then you have to apply for it. We weren't just adding like special snowflake kind of roles all over the place. No. It's like, no, the role already exists and you got to wait till somebody leaves it so you can take it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it's a great way to own your career yes. if you think of a position that you would like to see created and mm -hmm. you're there advocating why this needs to be created and why you're the candidate for that yeah. position. Yeah, I think that's great. It's really encouraging. We... um. Like when I worked at Corning, the HR function there was always sort of like cutting edge, like 10 years ahead of most other businesses. And the talent planning process that they rolled out 15 years ago was great. I mean, even in today's standards where every employee has like an internal resume, a talent profile where you talk about like your career key achievements, three career. It doesn't have to be here where you're working right. now. Like, what did you do before? I don't actually remember. Like, sorry, but your manager does not remember what you did before you worked here. Um, and so like, and then also identifying what's the next two or three roles that you would really like? And then what's the one role you aspire for kind of in the five to mm -hmm. seven year period? And you would literally pick a seat. Like, I want to be in the director of talent acquisition in Corning, New York in five years. And then you would talk with your manager once a year about how do I get there? What's my individual development plan? And like you'd follow up on that with some regularity, but you could pick seats, right? I want to be 
Wade. I want to be the plant manager in Pune. I want to, and that's really helpful because yeah. it, it also gets probably, specific. It probably lasts your career then is extended by a few more years, right? Well, it keeps you like engaged, right? You know, a and, lot, a little bit longer. I had that. I was an HR manager at Nordstrom, and I'm like, you know. I was really close with the director. I liked what they did, but I saw a lot of opportunities there where like she did not have the store manager experience. So it was hard for her to be the direct business partner of the leader that supported the store managers because she didn't really always understand what they did. And I saw this gap of like, I think I need to go be a store manager first before I become an HR director. But I knew I wanted to be the HR director eventually. But in order to be the store manager, I had to also then go back to the merchant team and work on that job for a year. Then I had to go to the rack for a year. Then I had to go to the full line for a couple of years. Like the so, HR director was, I became the HR director finally six years later. Did, wow. you, yeah. did you map that out for yourself or did mm -hmm. somebody map it for you? I knew in my head because I had already been with the company a decade. So I understood how pathing kind of worked. But no, I had a great store manager at the time that I was her HR business partner. And she was like, I think you're you're going to be in a lot bigger jobs than you even think, right? So she kind of started it. And then the SVP that I ended up being his HR business partner, right? We got on the phone and he's like, all right, you want to do that job? Let's, let's get you back on the merchant team. Let's start it going right now. There's actually a job open. And I, that's, I took that job. That's really so, good. yeah. So I think there was a lot of good people around it, Nordstrom that helped like mentor you through that because they everyone stayed there decades. I was not an anomaly, so it was like a <laughs> yeah. how do you keep yourself engaged after two decades? But you getting just keep that, changing jobs. But you think about just all the awesome experiences that you got, similar to you, like where you got you made some lateral moves for mm -hmm. a long term play. Yeah, um, and it worked out really well, and you're able to now consult with a high level. And of now business I don't acumen. work Fridays. Yeah, I try to avoid an extra. Yeah, I try to work three days a week if I can. You're working after five today. Sorry. Yeah, yeah this one's a long one. That's yeah. rare. But, but you owned your career. I mean, yeah. you really did with the help yeah. of those around you mm -hmm. that helped elevate you and helped you think. Okay, this is the path that you need to take. Right. This is what you need to be thinking about it. So you were consciously working towards that even though maybe it took a little bit longer than you expected. Yeah. That's what I think is important as a leader that you're instilling in those that are on your team. Yeah. And I think what was important there was to, I was ambitious, but I also understood that the way I got the next job was to nail the assignment I was in. So I was not someone who was constantly thinking about what's next, mm -hmm. what's next. And I was never asking what's next, what's next. Most of the jobs I took, it was because I was nailing my current assignment and someone was like, here's a person over here that we think we should be moved, right? Like I was kind of always being positioned by on a my leaders plan. and mm -hmm. other people. And I was so focused on just doing the job I was in at that time. And I knew if I did that and I showed up really well every day, I didn't need to really be worrying about it. I knew in the back of my head, but I knew that the other people would be like, okay, she's ready. Like, but I think that we talked about that in another podcast. So if you have somebody that's you know, fresh out of college and they've been with you for three months and they're like, boom, I want the next seat. And you're like, well, slow your roll. Slow your roll. Like, <laughs> I'm going to put you down and like downshift yeah. and just we're going to take it down. Because what, what you say is completely true. You really have to nail your position that you're in. Show that, that there's value, that you're a value add. Absolutely. And then at that point, someone will recognize or like you said, you have to start making your own career mm -hmm. moves. Well, you mm -hmm. hope it's a, it's both, right? Yeah. You, in order to have that plan, you want to move, you know what your path is. You know if you don't do well at step two, 
that you're not going to make it to step three, mm-hmm. which means you're not going to make it to step six. Right. So you have to constantly perform. You have to be accountable. I'm a big, I'm big about accountability. Like you got to be accountability accountable. Sorry, not only for your career, but for what you're doing every day in your daily tasks. Mm-hmm. That will propel you. Do a good job. Be accountable. Go above and beyond. Yeah, I, I also add one thing. I always like to add coachability. Mm-hmm. I think I would without agree. Yeah. without that, you're just going to be against the wall. You know, I think that there there are some people that are really coachable, and that's the person that I would probably invest my time in because I know that they can grow. You know, I said, I said this like, week, and uh, like a co- someone asked me like about coaching someone, and I go. Hmm. I don't really want to coach that person. I don't think they're coachable. Yeah, <laughs> like I literally just said, I'm like, I think it'd be a waste of my time and I would just be annoyed by it. And I don't think they would enjoy it either because I don't think they're coachable. <laughs> oh. Young um, listeners, be coachable. Yeah, yes, yeah be coachable. Yeah. I think it's great advice. Um, and to be honest, like it, we're back to this human element, but I, you know, say thank you also when um, the company is taking care of you. Don't always, you know, it's sort of back to this vein of um, never being satisfied, right? You're in a position for three or six months. You're asking for the salary increase. You're asking for the next position and you still haven't nailed the position you're in. But then even if the market goes crazy like it did over the last couple of years, especially in technical roles, if you're being taken care of, like every once in a while, stop with a little humility and thank your boss for taking care of you. Mm-hmm. Um, th- thank you goes a long way. And that's what a leader does is recognize the people around them that are supporting them and making them look good. And so if you're being taken care of and you haven't said thank you to your boss, you probably should go walk in there with like a little box of Ted Lasso biscuits and say thanks. <laughs> so I would agree. I would agree. Yeah, that that fast. I, I mean, we have these conversations all the time with people. And I remember just thinking like, well, you you've been here less than two years. Like, why are you so frustrated? What did you, you haven't expect? been promoting yet? Promoted yeah. yet. Right. And really, when you break that down. Right. And I always step back and I ask the questions because I'm curious, like where that comes from. And Really, the answer usually I get is a comparison Mm -hmm. answer. They're Mm -hmm. comparing themselves to others that did get the role. And then I have to do some, you know, let me break it down for you. Are you coaching? Are you coaching? That person (laughs) has also been here three times as long. And they're managing three times the amount of projects that you have. And they're leading four people. And you're leading one person. You know, it's like. Don't be in such a rush. Focus on what you're doing now. It will come. It will come if you continue doing this. But if you sit here and be disgruntled about it for a year, That's not it's a not going to get no. you to where you want to go. So, no. like, we got to refocus that. But There's also so many things that I think people can do on their own, right? So if all of a sudden you're not seeing that you're moving and you think that you're nailing your job, well, there's tons of certifications that you can get. There's, you know, school that you can go back to. You need to really look at yourself and bring value to the company. And by doing that, it also increases your, you know, your shine around you. Gets, mm-hmm. gets increased. Your potential. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, absolutely. You have to, again, you, gotta, you have to be accountable for your own success. And that's a core thing for me. You, you can't necessarily always fake it till you make it. You got to put in the work. You got to put in the hours. And you may, maybe you've been there longer. Maybe someone else came in in the meantime and they've kind of outshined, outshined mm-hmm. you, mm-hmm. right? 
you need to understand that you got to make up the difference. And that's where things become very introspective and where you need to learn what can I do better? How can I bring more to the table? How do I need to educate myself? What are the steps I need to take? And that's a great time to walk in and sit with your leader and have a real conversation, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. That's you want to know, hey, this person's been here three years and I've been here five. What's going on? They're they're moving up and I'm stagnant. Why am I stagnant? Be open to receive that feedback and take it in a very positive manner because Mm -hmm. nine times out of 10, the person sitting there giving that to you really wants you to succeed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, everyone wants to be part of a success story. I think going in and saying, I'm a manager now. I want to be a senior director. Help me get there. What does that look like? Let them noodle on it and then map a plan together. But, like, you got to lay out, like, I want to be in that role. I want to be the HR manager in Wilmington, North Carolina. Help me get there. And nine times out of ten, they're going to help you. It was really interesting. I just worked with a a group, and we did a satisfaction survey. And the lowest piece on the satisfaction survey was – they didn't feel that anyone ever approached them for taking on additional leadership. So they didn't feel appreciated. Right. Mm. But here's the thing. Nobody ever went to mm-hmm. their manager and said, hey, I've been here for a while and I really want to do something else. I really want to be over in this department. This is really what excites me. And so you have to, we went back to this, but you have to really own your own mm-hmm. career because at the end of the day, someone who's managing you might not you know, might not have you on their radar. They yeah. might have just yeah. like getting their work done or making sure that they hit their, yeah. hit their targets. Well, there's right. two individuals involved in <laughs> career pathing, right? And so we're each responsible. If I'm the manager or I'm in the employee, we're each responsible for making sure those conversations happen, right? And so I would never advise anyone to wait on the other, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, it's, it's a two-way conversation, um, and both individuals have to play an active part in that. Right. And as an employee, you can also say no. So kind of like yeah. conversely, mm-hmm. I had a situation where I was like, I want to get my head. I think I'm in my dream job. I want to get my head right and get really, really good in this position. And corporate came to me and said, 10 months in, like, do you want to move to Texas? Mm-hmm. And I was like, um, can I think about it? Like, I just got here. I haven't even been here a year. Um, and I went back and I said no. And they kind of made me feel bad about it. Mm. And um, but you know what? I'm so glad I did say no because mm-hmm. I got to stay in North Carolina and like been here in Wilmington for 15 years now, raising my family here and never want to leave. Um, NCCareerCoast.com. Go check it out. Yeah. But um, you know, you can also say no. So if you're yeah, a high I flyer no flying under, you know, many like you times. can say no. Yeah, I said no many times. Yeah, many of them were about relocation things where I'm like, no, yeah. I've relocated three times you in can three be years. Super I'm ambitious staying here right and now. Still make it. But yeah, there was. I think there was a part in my career where it's like you kind of choose a path. You stick with the merchandising side, or you stick kind of to the field and the store sides. Um, and I was probably equally good at both and could have gone either way. But one, you had to move to Seattle. And the other one, I could stay where I lived. So I was like, I'm never <laughs> going to be a merchant. I'll be the yeah, stage. But, yeah. but yeah, there was a lot you of but I, But yeah, and you always get that. Like, if you say no three times, you're never going to get yeah. asked again. Mm-hmm. Well, let me tell you, I That's still continue to get asked. And I said no Keep being good times. at your job. You'll get asked. Yes. Yes. Don't you think that'll change, though, too? I think with the younger generations coming into the workforce who, in my opinion, know how to set boundaries a little bit better. Yes. 
They're so that good at it. That's going to have to change, Best. especially for some of the I need to learn from the Gen Zers how to set boundaries. <laughs> especially from the from the larger corporations where there is, you know, maybe more opportunity to do that. But they set their boundaries. So there they was a really recent, do. I don't know where I read it or someone sent it to me, I think, from one of our businesses that I work with. Um, the amount of relocation and mobility has like dropped significant. And I, I can't remember myself. the statistic, yeah. but people are feeling like they don't need to move. There's plenty of jobs in their market and they can like live both sides of their life. So I think the mobility rate has gone down by like, I don't know. Well, I can't even know. I would have had a statistic in front of me. Campaign down here. But and people are not moving coach. any longer. People people no. are not relocating mm-hmm. in the same ways that they were a decade ago. Definitely not yeah. to desirable areas. I mean, like, who, who the hell would want to move to New Jersey right now? Sorry to anyone listening in New Jersey. <laughs> we love New Jersey. <laughs> Maybe that's right. I, I, I lived in Jersey for th- at Bernie No, County. I would never move back to Philadelphia. I, remember, yeah, though, I did being, it once, never again. Being a kid and nothing was worse when you got home from school. And your mom and dad are sitting in there, and you're like, <laughs> sitting at the table yeah, waiting for you. I was like, me. what's the yeah, deal? We're my moving. dad was oh, like, yeah. uh, my dad did not like change to begin oh. with, and he used my sister and I as an excuse. And there was many times we came back later in life, and he's like, I had an opportunity to go work for 3M, but we didn't want to uproot you guys and move to Minneapolis. And I was like, we hate it where we live, my sister <laughs> and I. Like, we were not attached to anything about Toledo, Ohio. You wanted- and I was like, let's not use Kelly and I being in junior high, high school yeah. as a reason why you wouldn't relocate from all your friends. Like, yeah. let's not. Oh, we were we the moved. least of the consideration. They're like, we're going. I'm like, yeah, I don't think I would have a new little boyfriend. With no yeah. boundaries. Yeah, no boundaries. <laughs> no boundaries. <laughs> no boundary, Beth. No. You have to go back and listen to the last episode about best bout. Ba- <laughs> I'll tell you later. Wink, yeah. wink. Um, well, awesome. Thank you for being here. My yes. pleasure. And thank My you, pleasure. ladies. Thanks um, for having me. Any fi- any kind of closing comments or suggestions about owning your career? You can reach your goals, work for it, advocate for yourself, reach out to your leaders. It's absolutely doable. Don't count yourself short. Just don't. Work. Prove your worth. You can do it. Awesome. Those are good last words. I love it. Hey, thanks for joining another episode of HR Nightmares. Go check out Leith HR Group. Make sure you're subscribing to our YouTube channel for HR Nightmares so that you can get the updates when the new episodes drop twice a month. Check us out on TikTok, Instagram. Um, Definitely follow us on LinkedIn. Make sure you connect with all of us, uh, Lisa Leith, Beth Looney, Amy Conway, and also Tammy Benson from Admark International on LinkedIn. We'd love to connect. Thank you so much. Have a great day.